John always laughs at me. <laughs> if we go out of town for like a weekend and we come back, I'm like, oh, everything's rotten. Like I just uh. assume that everything in the fridge is no longer good. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're talking about overhyped and underhyped books published in 2022. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this helps other book lovers find us. Hey, everyone. Before we begin, we wanted to let you know that our Book Talk Etc. listener survey is live. Every year, as our show continues to evolve, we like to poll our listeners to see what you feel is working, what could be improved, find out what you liked, and see what you want more of. So if you've ever wished that Renee and I would cover a certain topic on the show or read through a certain genre of book, now is your chance to be heard. Head to our show notes and click on the link. We'll keep this open for two weeks until December 27th. We use your feedback to help us create our episodes. So thank you so much for taking the time. Hi, Renee. Hey, Tina. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. Boy, this one I prepped for so long, and I'm sure you did too, because <laughs> I'm like, wait, now, is it overhyped? Is it underhyped? Is it medium hyped? Did it deserve the hype? Like, I was like really analyzing where I landed with some of these books. Yes, same. I did a lengthy prep last night. So when we're recording, it's Friday. And I, I think I spent a good, I don't know, three and a half to four hours. Now, I was also watching the Harry and Meghan documentary mm-hmm. that dropped mm-hmm. on Netflix. So my, so I was, I was doing both and just letting time kind of go because I had no plans. But I do want to say, and I don't know if it's the same for you. We kind of like touched base a little bit. Like, how are you finding your books? How are you figuring this out? But just so everyone knows, this is our opinions right? Based. Mm -hmm. So we, we went with what we thought was overhyped for us based on, Mm -hmm. and underhyped based on whether it was a bestseller, whether it was out there as far as hype. And we'll get into that in book talk, but these are our opinions. I know. I think that's part of why I struggled because I am never a reader that wants to yuck on somebody else's yum. Like if you liked it, I'm really glad that worked for you. And I mean that wholeheartedly. But I thought about it. And I also like when people say why they thought a book was overhyped or why they didn't like it, just so I can get to know them as readers. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about the book conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I don't mind if a book is a little bit polarizing because I like to see what side of the fence I fall on. But that's what I struggled with. I'm like, oh, I know people love this book and I don't want to be a jerk. Like, oh, this one was overhyped. But we're not trying to be (laughs) unkind. We're just sharing our opinion. You know, it's it's a podcast. That's what we're supposed to do. (laughs) Right. It's all in the name of fun. And I I do have a feeling, call it a prediction, that you and I may have differing opinions. Mm -hmm. That's kind of fun because we don't get a chance to talk about our differing opinions, which we have every now and then. Mm-hmm. I kept one off my overhyped list because I know you loved it. <laughs> really? That's okay. Yeah. 
First, though, we definitely want to share some of our loving late meats. It is mixed tiles. And, okay, you probably have seen these on social media. And maybe it's just me because they constantly push out the ads to me. But we are finally getting somewhat settled into the new house. And the blank walls were killing me. I was tempted. I was tempted. And I did some research. And finally, I grabbed a bunch of these mixed tiles. And if you're not familiar, these are framed prints that you can hang on your walls without damaging the paint. And their big sell is that they're easy to hang and easy to move around if you find yourself like it's a little bit off center or you want to change locations. And they have two different kinds. They have ones that you can make from your own photos and artwork you can frame from their designers. And I kind of wanted both, but you can't like mix and match in your order. So I was like, you know what? Let me go with the art and see how how we like it. But they had this deal at the time, buy six, get 10 free. I was like, well, obviously I need 16. Like clearly I need a lot of (laughs) stuff to put on my walls. So I did. And I'm so happy with it. They turned out awesome. There are what feels like unlimited options for these different art categories. And they have a lot of different categories like abstract, photography, nature, minimalist, bestsellers, And it was fun because we got to like go through and figure out like, all right, what kind of art do we want? Like what makes sense for us? We have some in our bedroom, in my office, in the living room, Lily's room, a couple in the bathroom. Like I told you, (laughs) we got a bunch. And I love that they list who the artist was who designed the print and linked to their social media. And that was helpful for me because I found that I love two artists in particular, Aaron the Humble and Field and Sky. And I really liked their style and I got a few prints from them. They are as easy to hang as they advertised, and I love how they turned out. I'm so excited. I'm definitely going to order some with our personal photos next, and they have a ton of sales. So right now, you can get nine eight-by-eight prints for 100 bucks. so keep mm-hmm. an eye out for that. I also know I like went in there to do research for the show, and of course, they sent me an email. Hey, you, le- you, you left us. Here's a, here's a discount. Oh, so yeah. they're always like, They do pretty good with Mm -hmm. giving you sales. And I don't think it's tied to like this time of year. I have a feeling they do it often. So if you've been curious, you need something for your walls, check them out. I will share the pictures of the ones I have in case anyone's curious. And this loving lately was mixed tiles. Love that. Okay. And it doesn't damage the wall, you said. Mm -mm, No, not at all. One of them I moved. It's like weird. They're very, very lightweight. And Mm -hmm. I was like, how is this going to work. And what you do, there's magnets on the back of it. That's kind of how it works. It's very easy to hang. I don't measure. (laughs) I mean, I could, (laughs) but I don't. I just eyeball and I feel like I got them in good spots on the wall. And one of them, I think I tested it because I was just curious. I was like, what would happen? And yeah, it doesn't damage the paint. I have no idea the technology behind it, but I am a fan. I love genius ideas like that. I mean, isn't that's genius. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, it's so much better than going to like, my normal instinct would be to go to Home Goods and just be like, I don't know, do I like this? Do I like this? But this, like, mm-hmm. I got to measure the walls. I was like, how big do I want? Like, I took my time with it. When I say I took my time, it took me, I'm not kidding, an entire, like, three hours <laughs> to really <laughs> pick out all of the prints and measure because I wanted to, like, make sure I got stuff I loved. And I I think I did good. Okay, that's a great one. All right, my loving lately, it served a purpose for me. I just discovered it and I it may be such a good find for someone else. It is an app called Blinkist. And I found it with some Googling because I've been in a nonfiction mood lately. I am reading a lot of what would be, I guess you would call it self-improvement books. I don't really like the term self-help. I've 
can't remember if someone knows that they said this to me, life advice books. I like Mm -hmm. to think of them like that, but I do like that lately. And for example, I was reading, or I have been reading Gretchen Rubin's Better Than Before. Then I popped over and I bought Atomic Habits at Barnes and Noble the other day. And then I said, when am I going to have time to read front to back all of these books that I want to read. So anyway, I did a little Googling. Blinkist is an app. You can do a free seven-day trial, which is what I have signed up for. And what it is, and their their tagline is more knowledge in less time. You can read or listen and you get key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in minutes, not hours, minutes. So it will tell you the time. Like, how long will it take you to listen to the key ideas of Atomic Habits? It was like 18 minutes. But you can also read. If you would rather do that, you can just read their key ideas. You also get insights from podcasts. This is perfect. This is absolutely perfect for me. They say that it's perfect for curious people who love to learn and busy people who don't have time to read. I have a feeling I'm going to really enjoy this. Like I said, I signed up for the free seven-day trial. And of course, because I I did leave it open and wasn't like continuing on to fill out the stuff, it popped up with a, if you put your email in, I could get 40% off of the year rate. So if you want to go past the free trial, you have to pay for the app. So with 40% off, it would be $59.99 for the year. That's not horrible. I mean, I'd rather it be not at all Mm-mm. less. But anyway, I'm going to give it a try. But if I don't like it, and if anybody thinking that they want to try this don't like it, all you have to do is cancel before your seven days. That's it. Yeah, I'm going to test this out. I've already curated. Like, they ask you a bunch of questions. Like, they ask you what you're interested in. Psychology, philosophy, nature, like entrepreneurship, creativity. And those are just some that I picked. And then they'll curate lists for you. Hey, do you do you like this book? Do you, you might, you know, all of that, which is just fun for me. So that was the app Blinkist. Nice. Now, I've heard of this for sure. Oh, you have? Before. Oh, yeah. I forget why. I don't know. Let's see. My initial reaction was like, I'm such a snob. I'm like, well, is that like reading though? And then I'm like, who cares? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> who cares if you're still getting the key concepts? Mm-hmm. Like, that's awesome right. that you're able to, because you're right, we'll never in a million years be able to read all of the books we want, get all of those life nuggets that we want. Yeah. So why not try something like that? Yeah, you you talked about it and made me really curious because there are so many. And then two, there's nothing stopping you. All right, so you read the, you listened or whatever to the 18 minutes for Atomic Habits. You can still read the book oh, <laughs> and like sure, get the sure. rest of it if you wanted to. Well, and because I also, for books like that, I know I'm going to highlight and that's why I ended up buying yeah. it. I, I know it's one that I will like want to refer back to. But also with what we do with the podcast, my mind has been saying like, um, you better like read your nonfiction now because I can't read. I'm obviously not going to be able to read a bunch of nonfiction and keep bringing nonfictions as latest reads, you know? And then I, and then I think, oh, well, shoot, I, I wish I knew what the key points of just some of these books are. Yes, of course, I'll still Mm -hmm. read here and there the entire book. But yeah, I think I like this option. But what also, it had a deal right now. So if you're interested, I think I can share it with, but right now, if you, it said that you could share your program with one other friend. So I don't know. I think I was going to, I was like, oh, I'm going to see if Tina wants to try this out. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'll be your friend. Yeah. I would love to try it out. Yeah. So anyway. Well, you said too, people that are too busy to, well, too busy to read, obviously. It's not us. We, we <laughs> no. figure it out. What was the first part? People who are curious, who love to learn, like just learn. That, that, when you said that, I was like, that's Renee. Like, and I it's am totally... too, but like, I feel like I'm so like busy. <laughs> like I can't, I can't learn anything new right now, <laughs> but this actually could be perfect. Cause I still love learning. And like, I feel like I could like get some nuggets yeah. in there, you know? Oh, I love that. Okay. What if Good you one. just, I, I zipped through the, I mean, I just like did this this morning actually. And I was looking through the app. Um, I picked one book and I just looked at it and read through the main points really quickly. Even if like you get up in the morning, you're having your coffee and you're like, I'm just going to pick a book and I'm just going to pick like, I'm just going to see one thing while I'm having my coffee. What yeah. one thing can I learn? And that's it. You that's don't have to really, commit to but, even the whole 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. No, that's a really cool way to look at it. Yeah. Right. I'll try it out. All right. Let me tell you about my latest read. This is a book that publishes at the very tail end of 2022, end of 2022 on December 27th. It's One Last Secret by Adele Parks. And Adele Parks is an author that I discovered around this time last year when I was so busy with the holidays. I was like, oh, I just need something to keep my mind entertained. And in my opinion, she is perfect for that. I pick her up when I want to break a reading slump or when I feel like really binging a book. And One Last Secret is about Dora, a high-end escort. She has a complicated past and a lot of secrets, but she finally feels like she's ready to move on from this profession. When she decides to take on one last job that upends everything, she agrees to join a regular client named Daniel on a week-long trip to a chateau in the south of France. And all she has to do is convince the Chateau's guests that she's Daniel's girlfriend. Sounds pretty easy. And she's established now, but she did not come from money. And the money was too good for her to refuse. So she agrees. She gets to the Chateau. But when she gets there, things feel off pretty much right away. She starts wishing that she told somebody where she was going and that she had a way out because she's starting to feel like the walls are closing in on her. Something's up at this chateau. I don't think you need to know anything more than that as far as the plot is concerned. I really, really liked this book primarily because of Dora as a character. She is so sharp and very straightforward and direct about her work and doesn't apologize for it. And I just love that this author like gave a sex worker very positive frame of mind in terms of how she spoke about her work. The author did a great job peeling back the layers of this story. And I swear to you, I had no idea where this was going until about the 50, 60% mark. I was entertained, but I'm like, what is happening? What, what is going on? I was talking to Amy at Novel Gossip about this because she was reading it at the same time. I'm like, does this start to make sense soon? She's like, oh yeah, don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> but Dora as a character had a lot of depth. And this is one of those books you can't put down because you're worried about the character and want to make sure they're okay. I feel pretty confident in saying that you won't be able to guess where this story goes. And even though some of the resolutions were over the top, it comes together. I did not mind. I will say definitely check out the content warnings because this book does get dark in places, but I think this could be great for this time of year. If you're feeling stressed and want a break from the holly jolly Christmas, it could be a fun, <laughs> entertaining read. If a story about power, sex, money, and revenge sounds good to you, give it a shot. It's One Last Secret by Adele Parks. When you said you were invested in the character, which mm -hmm. that is something I love and will also keep me turning the pages. And 
also really describes my latest read. And I have been dying mm-hmm. to tell you about it because it? I think you're going to be very surprised, Tina. This is Lessons in Chemistry, which mm-hmm. I had DNF'd this summer. Mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. not one I was going to return to. This was in our summer DNF episode where I went into detail as to why I DNF'd it. it I wasn't too far into it. And I did say that I DNF'd it because I didn't connect with the main character, Elizabeth Zott. So the, I, I rarely, hardly ever, I can't even remember another time that I have went back and picked up a DNF. I did for this because of this topic that we're doing. And because mm-hmm. Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus is on so many best of lists. It has mm-hmm. been chosen as the best book of the year by Barnes & Noble. It has been chosen as the best debut on Goodreads. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list. And it's blown up on Bookstagram. So many of my trusted sources have loved it. They're calling it their top book of the year. So when we decided to do this episode, I said to myself, I'm putting lessons in chemistry on my overhyped list. And then I said to myself, maybe I better read it just to see if I would still, (laughs) I need to read the whole thing before I say it's overhyped because these are all books that we have read. So I did. Got the audio. Thank you, Penguin Random House Audio, because I did not have a copy of it and was able to get it from them. I'll tell you what it's about. A brilliant woman named Elizabeth Zott. She uses her success as a chemist and later as an unlikely cooking TV show star to change the status quo for women in repressive 1960s America. And also, it's a love story, which I did not know because honestly, after I DNF'd it, I didn't read anything about this book. I didn't read reviews. I just, I passed it by. So I didn't realize that this had a love story element to it. It has one of my absolutely favorite things in fiction, which is character-driven plot twists. There is a character-driven plot twist in this book, which I came to when I was driving to Target over the weekend, and I literally, I, I, and you, you know how you remember things? I was driving to Target, oh, yeah. and this happened, and I gasped in the car. I literally gasped. I just had no idea. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea it was coming. I just couldn't believe it. Also in this story is a lovable dog who gets a perspective in a very creative way. All this is to say, there's so much to this story. There is chemistry. But this is a story about Elizabeth Zott. And I initially said I didn't connect with her and how wrong I was. I'm taking back all my words. I'm taking back everything I said. I was trying not to be mad at myself because at the time, it wasn't a book I connected with. But also, so maybe this is an example of wrong book, wrong time. And then later on, it's the right book at the right time. Because I have to tell you, I absolutely loved this book. Five stars. I loved it. I loved it. I don't think I will forget this book. I think, yeah, it, it went it went from my overhype to my deserve the hype. And nice. I just, I really loved it. I highly recommend the audio. It was great narration. Yeah, I loved it. I think if you have read it, you know what I'm saying. And if you haven't, or you think, I don't, you know, I don't want to, that doesn't appeal to me, give this a try. And give yourself time to get into the story. Once I did, 
I was like, okay, I can see I did not give myself enough time. Who knows? That doesn't happen very often, but it did with this book. So it's Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Good. I'm glad that that one ended up working for you. Did you say it was a debut? Yes. Yes, it won. And it won that's, Best Debut for, on Goodreads. That's what I thought. I'm so glad a debut is getting this much praise. Like that always makes my heart warm a little bit when it's like a debut is getting, you know, all of the attention. Although now I'm like, wow, that's a hard act to follow. <laughs> so, but yeah, <laughs> well, that's exciting. I, yes. I'm also glad. And I think, you know, she has written this book later in life. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to seek out some interviews with her because I haven't yet, but I want to hear, you know, this book has been talked about for, for quite some time. Yeah. So I just can't, I can't believe it. I don't know. I'm mad. I'm kind of mad at myself, but then also like, hey, sometimes if there ever is a book that you put down that is calling you, I guess, yeah. my point is, is pick it up at a later time. Absolutely. It's okay to change your mind. Just Mm -hmm. because you DNF something doesn't mean you don't want to read it forever. And I can also stand corrected. I could be like, I didn't want to read it at the time, but now I want to read it. I'm still passing, not for any real reason other than, you know, you've brought it to the show now. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you did because we can't have a best of 2022 list or an overhype, underhype without mentioning that book because so many people loved it. So I'm very glad that you brought it. And I might pick it up down the line. Who knows? Yeah, I actually think you might like it. I do. So when mm-hmm. you're in the mood. <laughs> in 2027, 2027. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We do have a listener latest read today from Christina at introverted.reads. I love this. She DM'd us out of the blue and was like, I have to recommend this book. So she would like to recommend Meredith Alone by Claire Alexander. This book shows us that even in life's worst moments, there is hope and healing. There is joy in the little things and to enjoy life in its simplest moments. Friendships are treasured and to give people a chance to know you because you never know who might start out as a friend but turn into family. Hold on to love, laughter, and enjoy the ride known as life. If you hadn't read this book, I hope you put it on your radar. I cried, I smiled, and my heart grew three sizes as I watched Meredith come to enjoy life again. So thanks, Christina, for sending that to us. I hadn't heard much about it. So I was like, all right, you seem very passionate about it. I definitely wanted to mention it here because it sounds like a book a lot of people might like. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. It it wasn't on my radar, so that does sound good. Yes, and... As always, if you have a listener read you want to send to us, send us a DM, an email, whatever you like. But for today, we're talking about book hype. And again, we we thought really long and hard about how we wanted to structure it. I, again, like knowing why books are hyped, how they get hyped. I also thought about it's kind of meta because I think you and I are responsible for some book hype. So it's funny (laughs) that we're like taking a deep dive, like how do books get hyped? Well, us sometimes, you know, (laughs) I think it just we all play a role in creating this book hype. You asked a really great question when we were formulating this. Is book hype and book buzz the same thing? Right. I think I landed on, yes, I think. I think they are. When we say what's a buzzy book and what's a hyped book, to me, it, it's pretty much the same thing. It's what book or book are people talking about? Mm-hmm. What do I see featured on various podcasts, shows, um, bookstagram? Like, you know, what is circling 
that keeps getting attention? That's what I think about. Mm -hmm. How about you? For me, when I first read that question, I was like, I think buzz in my head comes from people who may or may not have read that book. And I almost equate that more to marketing. Like book buzz Mm -hmm. is like, all right, let's get the buzz out. Now, part of that definitely could be that they send it to early readers and it gets thing going. Book buzz, I don't know why, and maybe I'm wrong, but book buzz to me is more early adopters and it's more before it's been tested, before a lot of people have read it. Hype to me is when a lot of people have read it and if it almost feels, I don't know if it feels more genuine, but I, I do think it's more genuine in my head and it feels like readers are sharing it as a result of loving the book. Like they loved this book. They want to hype it up. They want to tell people about it. That's oh, kind of how okay. I viewed it. You know, I don't know that there's a right or wrong way. I think too, we have to mention that buzz or hype can be created strategically. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a reason why certain books get buzzed or hyped Others do not. Of course, this comes down to money and, you know, dollars are a finite resource in publishing. And there are some books, if you actually go on Idolvice, it'll tell you like some of the some of the books, like what their promo strategy is, like mm-hmm. early arcs to readers, this and that. They'll like list some of the ways that they're promoting the book. I try and be mindful of that, although it's very hard because I'm like, okay, these books are getting hyped. Like if you open Goodreads, like what book is up at the top there? Why is that one up there? And who are the authors that are getting the majority of those dollars and who are not? I think that's part of why too, I sometimes, I think you and I both gravitate toward debut because it's almost like, who knows what this will turn into? Yeah, right. And also I think sometimes with the marketing dollars comes the quote unquote popular commercial authors who get more marketing dollars. So then yeah. their books automatically get so much attention. Right. Where, I don't know, I think we'll get into <laughs> on some of our underhyped, our opinions on, you know, they're not, in our opinion, as well-written or as, you know, worth that hype. It's a, like, circle effect because— A hundred percent. Right? Well, that's what I was going to say. That's why it's so frustrating, right? Because the authors— that get the dollars are the ones with the proven track record. Mm -hmm. But in order to get the proven track record, you have to have the buzz and you have to have people buying your book. But how do people know about it if you've never had this quote-unquote proven track record? It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I think that's why you see, if you look on the New York Times bestseller list, No Hate, three of the books are Colleen Hoover's, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I know that her next book that's coming out is going to get a lot of dollars behind it as well. I think also to the Taylor Jenkins Reid book, Harry Soto is Back. I remember that had a ton of marketing dollars behind it. They were at Wimbledon, which I thought was really cool. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought that was neat. But like, also, of course, they know Taylor Jenkins Reid sells, but like, it's circular, kind of like you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was thinking when I was looking at the background, the source, or like what contributed to what I thought was overhyped and underhyped. And wouldn't it be interesting if books were only allowed to be on the New York Times bestseller list for a set amount of time? Like, let's just say a month. What if repeat authors weren't allowed? I know this is nuts, but what if like, what if they had to include a debut author? Wouldn't that just be interesting and help create some hype around books that normally maybe people would never hear about? Because the New York Mm -hmm. Times bestseller list, it's very popular. And a lot of people go straight to that to choose their next read. Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be some dollars behind people like you and me and people in 
Bookstagram because, (laughs) and I'm, I'm partially joking, but I genuinely mean this. We have spent years and Mm -hmm. years cultivating a following, quote unquote, cultivating people who trust us. But I don't want to be bought to. I don't want to be marketed to. You know, and and this is how I get books buzzed on my radar or I get books that are hype is people I like to see, people that I genuinely know well, Mm -hmm. through social media by and large, but I know their taste. And like, that's how it gets to me. If if certain reviewers say, I love this book five stars, I'm like, all right, let me look at this, right? right? Like that is how I get a lot of my best readers. I don't care about the New York Times bestseller list, but I also understand you and I are not normal readers, right? right? We're not. And the people probably listening to a book podcast probably are not your normal readers that that don't know what to read. They're just like, I don't know what's on the list. But I like your idea of somehow spotlighting like, okay, you know, you had your 10 weeks. Thanks so much. <laughs> what are the next? Let's what are the next best books? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mean, what are the next best books that are that are being sold? Uh, talk about false hype. I like that. Okay, so can we better trust reader hype, which does sometimes involve readers talking about books they haven't actually read yet, which plays into what you said, which I do agree with. Now that you have said that I wasn't thinking along the lines of creating buzz. So that definitely would play into that. And readers talking about books, featuring the book, the picture, the videos, the titles on social media when they haven't actually read the book. Maybe they're featuring it because either they've been paid to feature it, they're Mm -hmm. featuring it, showing it because they're excited to read it. But does that Mm -hmm. help create a false hype? I thought about it. And I know a lot of bookstagrammers are very intentional with books they feature, myself included. I will feature books on my page that I have not yet read, but not just willy-nilly. If it is a story that I would read, (laughs) that it has to be something I'm actually interested in. I very, very rarely get any like form of payment at all to promote a book. And I'm okay with that because I think that if people see it on my page, a lot of times folks don't read captions, myself included. They're just like, oh, cool. Oh yeah, this book with this cover. They may not take the time to read and say, oh, by the way, I have not read this yet. So Mm -hmm. I would hate to promote a book that's not good or one that I don't like without having done my due diligence and having people say, hey, I saw this on your page and I picked it up and it was bad or whatever. Right. Well, I guess we can include ourselves in that, whether it's our Instagram books that we put out or our shelf edition, because we are featuring titles that people are hearing about that you and I have not yet read. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that is it gives an early chance to create that buzz. Yeah. You just Mm -hmm. never know. It's almost like, well, we all have to start somewhere as readers, yeah. you know, as readers and you and I, like this is our passion. And yes, we promote books and we don't get paid for it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, this is what we do. We do it because we love it. And mm-hmm. we are part of, I guess, the hype machine for better or That's worse. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I was going to call it the hype machine. We are a part of it. Uh-huh, exactly. And I don't mind that. That's why, though, I think we are both intentional about what we read and like we're, you know, we're okay with DNFing books because we're like, okay, if this if it's not this one, then let's find one that does work for us that we do want to promote on our show. Mm-hmm. And I think this is so, I love this idea of like what hype does to a book. And 
we asked it in Discord. Our uh, patrons like to read hyped books or what they do. And a lot of folks said that they tend to wait if a book is particularly everywhere or if they're hyped. They like to wait until some of that buzz dies down to then pick it up. And I think they do that because they want to see if it has staying power, which I can appreciate, right? There's a finite number of books we read, and it could be really tempting to pick up the splashy, buzzy book, you know. Mm -hmm. I personally don't mind if I'm let down by that because I like to be a part of the conversation, and you guys know me. I like to be the one that's like, guys, read this book. It was awesome. (laughs) Like, (laughs) as though I'm getting some sort of, like, imaginary medal for, like, coming on to a book early. Mm -hmm. I will say, you know, my enthusiasm is always genuine. I just taught personality theory, so I'm always thinking about different personalities. I know there are some readers, according to their personality, who are naturally like almost contrarian. They're they're going to probably dislike a book because it was so hyped. They're looking for that flaw. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it's just a part of their nature. But I will say I do get annoyed when people think that hyped book reviews are inauthentic because mm-hmm. I'm going to give you my honest opinion no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I think I've seen like, oh, if someone gives it a negative review, thanks for your honest review. You. Well, my positive reviews are honest too. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. I agree with you. Yes. It's, I think, a little bit more unusual to hear people respectively critique a book. Yes. It is harder, I would say. It, or, or it's, it takes a little more finesse. Like, yes. you know, you don't have mm-hmm. to say anything, but, you know, I think if you're willing to like be the one of the ones that's like, hey, this was, was not all it. I think it does stand, you know, I think that's why a lot of people say thank you for your honest review. I just am a very, you know, I'm like, let's plug the positive too. Like, let's just talk about all the reviews. Yeah. Before we get into our books, what are we exactly, I mean, we mentioned the New York Times bestseller list, but what else are we talking about as a podcast, book podcasters and read, you know, readers who read a lot when we talk about like, where are we seeing books getting the buzz or hype? For me, Bookstagram, for sure. Goodreads, I, I rarely mm-hmm. even look at the New York Times bestseller list, but Twitter, I am still on Twitter. I don't think there's quite as much from there as I do get on Instagram, but also like the big publications though. I do check out like Publishers Weekly, Kirkus Reviews, who's giving star ratings to books. And of course, we cannot not mention the celebrity book clubs, which help create a lot of hype as soon as they choose a book. And I know you have another one that you can tell us about. TikTok. But honestly, they don't do a good job over there for me of hyping books. Where I get my, I should say, hyping new books. The books that I find on TikTok, this could just be my algorithm. I feel like I've read these books five years ago. I'm like, oh, right. Uh huh. Like, sometimes I lie, Alice Feeney. Great book. Don't get me wrong. But, like, yeah, I've read it <laughs> like a long time ago. <laughs> I get some good, less buzzy book re- recommendations almost over on TikTok. But again, just like with any social media platform, you know, you find the reviewers that you like. And, like, when they come up, you know, you can trust their reviews or you know okay. they're probably going to share something you like. But I do like going to TikTok for that. It's fun. TikTok's better for like lists, like eight thrillers you won't be able to put down. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just not, for me, not as good for connection. It's much more like entertaining and whatnot. Where I get my buzz from, it's still Bookstagram. It's still Mm -hmm. Bookstagram. I will, I mean, I don't know if it's just habit because we've been on there for so long, but I just like seeing what people are talking about. Um, 
I think we generate some of it ourselves. You know, I get excited mm-hmm. about books you bring. I get excited about books that I find for On the Radar. A big one is Book of the Month. That is a huge mm-hmm. buzz generator. I think that sometimes I find, wow, I read so many of their picks. Whether I was a member or when I wasn't a member, like it just so happens that they pick books that I am interested in. But I think that's why it's so important when you are somebody that, you know, it, whether it's Goodreads or whether it's Book of the Month or us in our podcast is to have a wide range of books that we're looking at. Because I don't want to just promote the same 15 authors that we all know mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think Book of the Month is trying to do a better job at bringing some more debut and bringing some more diverse authors because they are a huge, I mean, gosh, they have a lot of followers. So I think that can be a huge source too. Right. Okay. Before we talk about our books, we have one final question and that is why is hype important? Yes. I did want to talk about this. This just came on my radar last night and okay. Hype is a double-edged sword. I saw a TikTok from a favorite author of mine, Awake Imezi, and it made me so sad. They talked about their book, You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty, and how buzzy it was over the summer. But a lot of readers, it was very polarizing. I loved that book for all of its messiness. I loved everything about that book. But a lot of readers thought they were getting a different story or felt they couldn't identify with their story. So what happened with this author, they were shopping their next two books. It actually was a sequel to You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty in another book. And their publisher passed on picking up their next two books because of not enough reader interest. I'm like, wait a minute. How is that possible? Because You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty is being adapted. Michael B. Jordan is going to, I don't know if he's starring or if he's um, running it or whatever, but obviously there's interest. So I think they said that a lot of, it was too polarizing for readers, so they passed. So that's why it's important. Seeing them talk about that made me go, oh my gosh, I need to get back on Goodreads because I love that book and I didn't even rate it because I like to keep my ratings for the podcast, but... I want to be showing up in multiple places Mm -hmm. for the authors and for the readers. You know, no other reason than that. But I do think it's important to don't be afraid to hype the books that you love because it could affect the author, right? But I I do think hype can be kind of a double-edged sword in that way. Wow. You would think that any book that is optioned and being made, actively made into an adaptation Mm -hmm. is worth the author continuing to have a book contract. I know. I couldn't believe it. They said that their other book, not the sequel, did get picked up, I think, by a different publishing house, but it's not coming out till like 2025. And then they don't know about the sequel. I was so disappointed because it's like a sequel slash about one of the sub characters, which I like when authors do that. Mm -hmm. Like, I want that story. So maybe someday. Okay. (sighs) Let's get into it. How did you pick your books, Renee? Okay. Well, I picked my books and we are ranking these by what we thought is the least overhyped to the most overhyped. So I think we're going in that direction. I picked these because I did a little bit of checking around. I know I pretty much feel like we have a a good handle on what blew up on Bookstagram. So whether it was a really hyped book there, I also checked to see what was the really hyped books from the Celebrity Book Club picks. What was on the New York Times bestseller list which is definitely, I would consider a hyped book if it's on the New York Times bestseller list, especially for more than one week, which several of these are. So I kind of put all that together. And then I asked myself, what of that books I would consider hyped, would I say are overhyped and underhyped based on how I enjoyed them? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I did a similar process in that I looked through all the books that I read this year and just made a list over under. And they went on one of the two. And then I took to Goodreads and looked at the number of ratings. And I, I have to tell you, I was shocked by some of them. And that's what influenced me, especially for the books that were underhyped. Because I'm in my brain, I'm like, oh, this was hyped. People saw this book. One of my books has 500 ratings. I'm like, excuse me? Pardon me? Like, I was baffled. But it's hard to remember sometimes we're in our own sphere of book mm-hmm. recommendations. And there's a ton of spheres for that. So yes, what's hyped in one area may not be hyped all over, but I will get into it. I'm going to tell you my least overhyped of the overhyped first. (laughs) (laughs) This was The Murder Rule by Dervla McTiernan. And I felt this was hyped because it was hyped in book review circles. I know people liked this author's previous books and it had a good marketing campaign. The publisher sent me the copy of the book along with like one of those tote bags. So definitely some dollars went into that. This was also um, named as a New York Times bestseller 2022. It has 13,000 ratings on Goodreads. And this is a standalone legal thriller about a law student who works her way onto an innocence project case to make sure that the man they're trying to free stays on death row. Love the concept, liked the beginning, but what lost me is when the law student started interfering with the investigation and going rogue. I was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? And the ending was just kind of like, come on, really? It felt like a overdone Law and Order episode. So Mm -hmm. for me, it wasn't my favorite. (laughs) That was The Murder Rule by Dervla McTiernan. Okay. All right. My overhyped book in my number five position is Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister. And this was hyped by lots of people. It was a celebrity book club pit by Reese, and it was a New York Times bestseller. It definitely, I think, blew up on Bookstagram. Lots of people read this and were raving about it. And this is about the mother who had the 17-year-old Well, it was a family, but specifically the mother was a big narrator. Her 17-year-old son is walking home. He's late. And she sees from the window that he emerges from like the bushes and he's not alone. He's walking toward a man and he's armed. And she sees her son kill the stranger right before her eyes. And he ends up in custody. Now, then the rest of the story was kind of like what happened from that. And this is a time travel story. Like, if you remember, it kept going back to the day before, to the day before, to the day before, to the week before. And it became way too repetitive for me and unbelievable. I know that what started off strong did not end strong for me. Now, the Goodreads ratings are pretty high. There is 60,575 ratings for this book. So yeah, a lot of people read this one, but that is in my number five position. It's Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister. Mm-hmm. I knew that. I had a feeling that one would make yours. <laughs> I avoided it. I was like, time travel? I'm all right. I'm all, right. <laughs> all right. For me, my fourth most overhyped book was Run, Rose, Run by Dolly Parton and James Patterson. And this one has 71,000 reviews on Goodreads. And this is a thriller. Well, I call this hyped because it's James Patterson and of Dolly course, Parton. Yeah. Like, hello. Of course. Oh, and yes. like, trust and believe. I really wanted to like it. I, I I admire Dolly Parton. James Patterson, I could take or leave. Mostly leave. But this is a thriller about a young singer-songwriter on the rise and on the run, determined to do whatever it takes to survive. 
And I picked this up when I was in Nashville because I love to read books set where I'm visiting. I could not get, I was like, this is not well-written. This is not good, in my opinion. And even my like desire to want to support Dolly could not get me through. Calling this a thriller <laughs> is a stretch. It is 90% about a musician making it in Nashville and maybe a 10% thriller. So that was where they lost me. It was Run, Rose, Run by Dolly Parton and James Patterson. Okay. So I, I didn't... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize you did I did we know you read that? I don't know. I may not have talked about it. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. But you're exactly right. I think any time he publishes a book, it's automatically on the bestseller list. Automatically. Automatically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. In my number four position of the book I felt was overhyped for me is Fairy Tale by Stephen King. I mean, come on. Stephen King publishes a book, it's going to be hyped just because he's Stephen King. You and I especially love Stephen King. We've devoted a whole show to him in the last year. So, I mean, I knew I was going to read his book. And this was a New York Times bestseller also. This was about a 17-year-old boy who inherits the keys to a parallel world where good and evil end up being at war, and he needs to try to make it out. The stakes are very high for that world and ours. I enjoyed the first probably 40% of this, and then it took a sharp left turn into straight fantasy, which I did not know, and then really it just essentially just completely lost me. The marketing is always there for Stephen King, of course. Bookstagram was reading it. The Goodreads ratings for the number of people who rated this was actually lower than I thought, 60,951. Mm, Which is a lot. That's a lot. But I kind of thought it would be more for Stephen King. Yeah, that's just where that's where I fell with that one. That was Fairy Tale by Stephen King. That is fair. It's not for everyone, for sure. Like, I liked both parts, but yes, it does. I mean, it's in the name, right? You know, you're getting some fantasy. Um, We stayed there longer, I think, than. It was very long. The book was very long. (laughs) There were a lot of, a lot, a lot of different angles. I still really enjoyed it, but I can see that for sure. Yeah. My third most overhyped book was The Summer Place by Jennifer Weiner. This one, he had 35,900 reviews on Goodreads. And I think the hype here, again, came from the author's own popularity, which seems to be a theme. I know she's an auto-read author for many, I think, including you. I know you like Mm -hmm. reading her books a lot, and I tend to as well. I was looking for a fun book to segue myself into summer reading, and this was not it. (laughs) This is about a family who is very privileged and comes together at the family's summer home in Cape Cod, and secrets abound. This book was too long, and there were too many characters, and they were all terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And I cannot tell you my biggest issue with this book because... It'll be a spoiler, but there was one plot hole where I kept asking myself, is the dad really going to let his daughter do blank? Like, oh, what? It made me nuts. I want, I was like, hello, this is a problem. But anyway, not for me. Uh, that one was The Summer Plays by Jennifer Weiner. All right, on to my number three overhyped book, and that is Hidden Pictures by Jason Rakulak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this came to my mind right away. I didn't even have to look through my book list. This actually also just won the Goodreads Choice Award for Horror, which, okay, this book blew up on Instagram in the Bookstagram community, and that's how it it even got on my radar. This was about uh, Mallory Quinn, who, once she's out of rehab, she takes a job in an affluent suburb of New Jersey as a nanny 
for Ted and Caroline Maxwell. Now, she's the nanny for their five-year-old son, Teddy. And the crux of the story is Teddy's drawings start to become very creepy and sinister. I did not think they were creepy and sinister, but that's what that's what was marketed. When he starts drawing a man dragging a woman's lifeless body out of the woods. So it's like, what's going on? Does he... You know, does he have premonitions? Is he does he know something that everybody else doesn't? And things just, you know, take off. Goodreads has 53,807 ratings. It did not work for me for the main reason of the the twist that takes place. And it got, I don't remember what percentage it was, but it went off the rails and not in a good way for me. So I know that obviously uh, lots of people loved it because for a book that I don't think was on the New York Times bestseller list, but lots of people loved it because to win Goodreads Choice, it had lots and lots of votes. So that was Hidden Pictures by Jason Rakulek. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going here. I know this is on your list, even if you didn't bring it right now. Okay. My number two most overhyped was The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. And this one has 79,000 ratings on Goodreads. Buzz again from this one came from the author's popularity. He always gets a ton of marketing dollars. And okay, a widowed actress tries to... <laughs> A widowed actress tries to escape a streak of bad press by retreating to her family's lake house in Vermont, where she does nothing but drink and spy on her neighbors. And I actually did not mind the overused trope of the alcoholic female who's spying on neighbors. I was like, okay, I'm with you. I liked the beginning of this book until a very specific point in the book where I lost my ever-loving mind. I was like, Renee, get this book immediately. I cannot function if you don't also read this. I need to drag you into the muck with me because what the hell? The ending, the ending. I'm still mad. It turned me off as a reader. And I am I going to read him again? I probably will, but I'm not going to pay for it. <laughs> so that one was The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. Okay. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> Uh oh. <laughs> okay. I would agree with you. All right. My number two overhyped book is Mad Honey by Jody Picoult and Jennifer mm-hmm. Finney Boylan. And I recently talked about this one. So this was a New York Times bestseller. It, it probably still is on the bestseller list and also was a Good Morning America celebrity book club pick. This was about the mother, Olivia, who has a almost 18-year-old son or I can't. Anyway, her son Asher's girlfriend ends up dead and he is being questioned by the police and things take off from there because she is adamant that her son is innocent, but is he? Could he have had flashes of his father's temper? This is a family drama slash courtroom saga. I wouldn't necessarily call it a courtroom thriller maybe courtroom suspense story because who's telling the truth, what's going on, and how does it all end? If you didn't hear my review on the show, this just did not work for me. There is a twist I did not enjoy, and I really found the writing to be repetitive. I found it to be way too long. I just didn't end up liking the turns that the story ended up taking after the initial you know, maybe 30 to 40%. But also this was the one I said that there's just a, a million metaphors that 
just ended up driving yeah. me bonkers. So that is Mad Honey by Jody Picoult and Jennifer Finney Boylan. Mm-hmm. I knew that would be on your list. And I got a copy of it with Honey <laughs> alongside of it. Oh. And the Honey opened in the mail. So oh. everything got covered in Honey when I opened it. I was like, is this a prank? Like, I don't understand. Oh, no. um, So... Anyway, funny aside about that one, but it obviously had marketing dollars behind oh, it. for sure. Mm-hmm. Finally, for me, my don't be mad at me, you guys. My number one overhyped book was The Maid by Neat Prose. Oh. This one has 226,000 ratings on Goodreads. It is a GMA book club pick, Whoa. right? It won wow. Goodreads Best Thriller 2022, New York Times bestseller, and it's getting a film adaptation starring Florence Pugh. So obviously... I am very much in the minority. Hear me out. This is a, I'd call it almost a cozy mystery. It's a clue-liked lock room mystery with Molly the maid finding one of the hotel's wealthiest guests dead in his bed. And I am glad that this resonated for so many people. I bet you a lot of folks that don't read a ton of like, quote, thrillers or mystery liked this one because it's it's a little gentler. Readers call it heartwarming, cozy, and quirky. For me, What didn't work was Molly as a character. I think she was endearing, but she read as somebody with autism or as somebody who is neurodivergent, but the author never chose to use those words. I wasn't sure why, and I couldn't help but getting like a bad taste in my mouth. Like, is it not palatable to say this character has autism and instead just call them quirky? Like, I would just, I don't know. And maybe it was just she didn't want to label her or whatever it is. Possibly I read too much into it, but I just couldn't click with this book. So that's where I landed. I'm going to call it an overhyped book. It was The Maid by Nita Prose. Okay. Yeah, that's surprising. I didn't even have that one on my radar for you. Um, I didn't read it, but I had no idea. I read a long, yeah, it was back in like January when it came out. Yeah, I saw it on a lot of the Goodreads choice nominee lists or whatever. So, okay. Well, my number one overhyped book you won't be surprised about. And it was the, like, as soon as we said we were doing this episode, I was like, I know what my top pick is. And you've already mentioned it. It is The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. Ah, Yay. Mm -hmm. Number one. I didn't even have to think twice about that. And you and I, I mean, yes, you forced me to read it. It, I probably wasn't going to read it. (laughs) I did. I forced her. I said I will not. Next year's. Now, I didn't hate Survive the Night the summer before. I mean, it it wasn't my favorite, but I wasn't going to read The House Across the Lake because of the premise. And it really, truly, to me, did end up being very similar to a very popular Netflix show. But then, exactly like you said, the things that ended up happening in this book, man, if I could roll my eyes right out of my head, I would (laughs) have. So, did you, I don't. It's a great visual. I mean, I just, yeah, there's not a whole lot more to say about this, but lots of people enjoy it. And, you know, it's kind of fun to talk about. Yeah. And like you said. Something about his books do make me want to talk about them. So there's that. So it is, you know, it's kind of fun to join the conversation about his books. Mm -hmm. And and I'm almost thinking that, you know, maybe he obviously enjoys writing like wacky storylines sometimes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's that. All right. Let's talk about what books yeah. do we think are underhyped? Maybe we can yes. give them a, Be- a final push. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get these on your radar if they weren't already. And I ranked these by enjoyment. Enjoyment. So this is my number five most enjoyed underhyped book, if that makes sense. This was the one I'm like, what? There's only 596 ratings. 
It was The Force of Such Beauty by Barbara Borland. Mm -hmm. It has a 4.18 rating. This is definitely one of my favorite covers of the year. The cover is stunning. And it's about a former marathon runner who suffered a career-ending injury who becomes the princess of a small European kingdom. This book is sad, but really compelling. Boy, it really made me think about the monarchy and what it might feel like to marry into that family and to be in a gilded cage like that, where every single possible move you make, thing you do is scrutinized. The ending made my jaw literally drop. I was like, what? I'm getting chills thinking about it. Oh. Oh, what an interesting story. It's a little more literary, so it's not, maybe that's what people didn't gravitate toward. But gosh, if you want a story, if that sounds interesting to you, give it a shot. It's The Force of Such Beauty by Barbara Borland. Okay. I'm glad you put that back on my radar. I forgot about that one. All right. Number five for me that I feel is underhyped is The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. Now, I say underhyped because I do think it did get quite a bit of traction on Bookstagram, but that's about it. And this book was good. This was about Millie, and she ends up going to work for a wealthy family, and the wife is Nina Winchester. And Millie tells us right away, like, she needs this job, she wants this job, and she is she knows she can pretend to be whoever she likes in this job. Like, she wants it. But she soon learns that the Winchester's secrets are far more dangerous than her own. This was such a fun popcorn thriller, but also really, really smart. Such smart plotting I had no idea what the heck was happening, where it was going. It was such a surprise. And this actually came on my radar as a recommendation from one of our patrons on Discord. I believe it was our Discord. So that's the only way I even knew about it. And I think it got out and about on Bookstagram later in the summer. But that was The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. Yes. And I'm in a Facebook group for psychological thriller lovers. This book is that somebody mentions it all every other day. And I'm always happy. Oh, okay. Not just this book, though. A lot of Frida McFadden's books. She's got a lot of like, she I does. think she's more of like a cult. She's got a cult following, which she? I think is super cool. She's also in this Facebook group. So on occasion, she'll comment and be like, thank you so much. I got nominated for a Goodreads Choice Award. If you'd consider voting, like I think it's so endearing. But oh, I want to read this cool. so bad. Yeah, you have to. You'll fly through it, Tina. You can do the, like, when you're I'm doing do the a, audio. Yeah, maybe, like, do the audio and, like, when you're cleaning or wrapping presents or, mm -hmm. you know, like, you'll fly through this. And it does have 98,000 yeah. Goodreads ratings as of right now. So yeah. good for her. But to me, it felt, yeah, I don't know. I could be wrong, but it felt underrated or under. Yeah, I mean, it's, these are our opinions, you know? Yeah. Who, who's really looking? <laughs> so number <f> number four for me is Just By Looking At Him by Ryan O'Connell. This one has 2,867 ratings. I loved this book. You got to do the audio. It's a story about a young gay man with cerebral palsy who is trying to figure out his life. He is a television writer and on the surface looks like everything is going great. However, Behind closed doors, he's in an unsatisfying long-term relationship and copes by drinking and by being unfaithful. And believe it or not, this is the spiciest and funniest book I've read all year and probably in a really long time. This book was so funny. I was packing the house laughing like hysterically. And, and you know I don't like to be told this book is funny. So apologies <laughs> if you come into it and you're like, this was not funny at all. But boy, oh boy, is this spicy and hilarious. It is 
Just by Looking at Him by Ryan O'Connell. Also, I love the author is a man with cerebral palsy who's a TV writer. And so it's like very much read like a memoir. And I had to keep remembering, this isn't real. These people aren't real. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, don't yeah, worry if they're fine. still together or, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. My number four underhyped book is Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. This book I brought to the show in the spring, it was inspired by true events that rocked the nation. It is about a black nurse in post-segregation Alabama who blows the whistle on a terrible wrong done to her patients. This book to me, I thought this book was so good. I think it had traction in the book community a bit, but not outside of like the sphere of maybe some bookstagram, some podcasts. I don't know. I, I feel like this could have and should have had more hype. I gave it five stars. I really, really loved it. And I wasn't sure that it would be a five-star read when I started it. So I was pleasantly surprised by this book. I'll be very excited to read whatever she publishes next. It's Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. I'm so glad you brought that. I forgot about that book and I definitely want to read it. It's good. All right, next for me is The Attic Child by Lola J. This one has 3,500 reviews on Goodreads and a 4.3 rating, so people do Mm. like it. This is historical fiction set in London over two time periods, in early 1900s and in 1974, where we find out how two children who were trapped in the same attic a decade apart were bound by a shared secret. I think people maybe don't like the title of this one and they think, oh, I don't know about the attic. And I said this during my initial review, as gentle as this can be with talking about children who were in attics for a long period of time, this book is. The the writing is so good. It's very intense, but gosh, the author is so smart and very, very careful and thoughtful about how she presents this story. I loved it. I loved the older character, the man from the 1900s more. It's set in Britain. It's about what happened when he was taken from his home in Africa and brought to the UK by this man who is supposedly going to give him a better life. It's sweeping. I really enjoyed it. And I love that the author was inspired to write this from a photograph she found. Like she found a, a real life photograph of this a character and she kind of reimagined a story for him. So that's the origin oh, of this book. Okay. Really good. I did the audio and I really liked the audio. It's The Attic Child by Lola J. All right. My number three underhyped book is Dinosaurs by Lydia Millett. I did this on audio and I don't know if that possibly it enhanced my enjoyment because I I loved this book on audio and I really don't I haven't seen it anywhere and initially got it on my radar from Sarah Fiction Matters. Yeah, I feel like it could have and should have had a little bit more buzz if not a lot more buzz. This was about a man named Gil who walks from New York to Arizona to recover from a failed love. Now, after he arrives in Arizona, he moves into a new house and across from him is a very large house that new neighbors have also moved into. And in their house, their entire side that faces him is a glass-walled house. So he starts to watch them and the story really, really, truly goes from there. His life begins to mesh with theirs. And it sounds odd and weird, but it's not. This is a surprising story. If you like characters that you can root for, because I loved Gil, really loved him. and But I also really loved the family. And 
Gil connects with a certain member of the family. And then you you also get a little bit more of the community and the neighbors and the neighborhood. This was just, I would call it a heartwarming story, but it also tackles some bigger philosophical questions about wealth and being a good person, a good human. And it's short. So if you want to squeeze that in before the end of the year, you have time to do that. It's Dinosaurs by Lydia Millet. You never cease to stop recommending books for me. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I know. I know. But no, that does sound really good. And you're right. I you I, had a little pop and then I, I lost track of it. So mm-hmm. next is Wake by Shelley Burr. This one has 3,200 ratings on Goodreads. And I really, really liked it. It's a crime fiction novel set in a tiny town in the Australian outback. And this town has only one claim to fame. It's the site of the still unsolved disappearance of young Evelyn McCreary 19 years ago. And her sister is still there. Her sister's still working on the family farm. And Lane Holland enters the picture. He cracks cold cases. So he heads to this town to try and cash in on the million-dollar award. It's very atmospheric. Definitely, if you like Jane Harper, get this book. You will definitely like Wake, like I can almost guarantee. There's characters I cared about. And honestly, it was surprising. It surprised me in a couple ways. So I enjoyed this book very immensely. And it's one of the few, like straight up mystery thrillers that I think worked for me this year. Mm-hmm. So give it a shot. It's Wake by Shelley Burr. Okay. Yeah, that I definitely want to read that. You've got me tempted. Okay. My number two book is Next of Kin by Kia Abdullah. And sorry, I keep forgetting to give my Goodreads ratings if you're interested, but Dinosaurs had 1,635. And Next of Kin has 1,591 ratings, which, whew, that's low for a book that is such high quality. This is about Layla Saeed. And one day she receives a call from her brother-in-law and it literally cuts her life in two from before and after because her brother-in-law is in a rush. He needs help. He's filled with panic. He has to get to work, but he needs to know if she could take his son to nursery, which is preschool, to drop him off at preschool. So she says, yes, she gets a, she goes to work, she gets a call, and it's her brother-in-law saying, I got a call from the school, and Max is, was never dropped off. And boo, the story takes off. Oh my gosh. If you have read this book, you know that I, you know, this is gasp worthy. It truly is. And I know I said in my review before, the th- the one of the things that Kia Abdullah does, because I've read her before and loved her previous book, Take It Back, one thing that she does is she doesn't give you just one twist. She gives you twists, mini twists, big twists, little, like, throughout the story. You just don't <laughs> Left know. Left twist, right you twist. Just don't, you don't know. You better buckle up when you're reading her books because, oh, it's just so good. So if you really and truly love courtroom thrillers, you have to get this book. It's Next of Kin by Kia Abdullah. That's definitely on my list. And I read Take It Back. Mm-hmm. Loved it. On your recommendation. Such a good book. All right. Time for my number one un- most unhyped book for 2022. Drum roll. It's the other... <laughs> Hey, that wasn't bad. It's The Other Side of Night by Adam Hamdi. And I thought, no, this isn't underhyped. What do you mean? What do you mean underhyped? And I looked on Goodreads. It has 1,100 ratings. I'm like, y'all, no, we have to get this book 
out there because I just can't believe there's not more hype. This book is excellent. If you like mind-bending mysteries, you have to read this. I am so tempted to compare it to one of my all-time favorite books, but I feel like I if I did, it would be a spoiler. If you want to know and don't mind, DM me, but I can't say it. But gosh, oh. if I could make this comp, you'd you would pick it up because everyone loves this book. A disgraced police officer discovers a note in a used book. And the note says, help me, he's trying to kill me. And so she sets off on a quest to try and figure out who wrote it and to see if that person is still in danger. I'm telling you, this book blew my mind in a good way. I will have to read it again someday. I did the audio, liked the audio because it I couldn't put it down, but I would have liked the print even more because there's so much going on, but it's so good. It's so good. It's oh. The Other Side of Night by Adam Hamdy. Okay. Yeah, I do. I don't know if you know, none of my books are New York Times bestsellers. Like, I don't know that I didn't like point out why specifically other than Goodreads, but yeah, I, none of these were made any bestseller lists, I don't believe. So my number one underrated book, you won't be surprised by because I just recently talked about it. It's Birthday Girl by Nico Wolf. This is so mm-hmm. under the underhyped that I'm not sure it could be more underhyped. <laughs> I really don't. It's it now has a whopping 109 Goodreads ratings. You got it. You're getting uh, it up I mean, there. Come on. And the only reason I found it was on the Barnes and Noble new release shelf this summer. That is the only, only one and only time I've had ever seen or heard about this book. And this was about. The husband and wife, Jonathan and Maddie, and they've been married. They go away for a birthday weekend. We, you know, they're having like a day together to celebrate the anniversary and getting away because they have a kid. And he gives her her birthday present. And her reaction to that sets off a chain of events. And then the story takes off from there. And then you cut to 20 years later and she is still missing. Now, this was the one that I said he ends up like after the the initial like giving her her birthday present scene it quick cuts to him in a police station being like questioned as to why he let her like get in a car with a stranger like just some uh, like somebody and drive away then 20 years later she's still missing so this was super fun it just needs to if you like psychological thrillers if you just want a puzzle to try to solve this last month of the year you've got to just give this a try it's birthday girl by nico wolf and i have since you brought it to the show i've read it and i definitely agree with you it was so (laughs) good i this is the gone girl comp this is it but not in a derivative way Mm -hmm. like it just felt so somehow it still felt felt fresh even though we've seen setups like this before I was like wait I didn't guess it I I was so happy with this book so I I definitely agree you're not hallucinating it is as good (laughs) as you said (laughs) oh that was so fun oh my gosh and we have a little bit more I know it's a long episode but quickly let's run down the books that we feel did deserve the hype yes okay and we're not gonna we're just gonna do titles yep we'll just do titles you can actually search you know in our past shows if you want to hear us talk about it because I brought all mine to the show okay I have You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by O.A.K. Maisie. And I have Nora Goes Off Script by Annabelle Monahan. Oh, yeah. A cover story, Susan Rigetti. Same. I have that one, too. I mean. Yep, I figured. Yep. Okay. I have Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. That was the one that I was going to say is overhyped. 
It's fine. It's good, but it's not. Like, see, this is it, just that face. Good. I think Dirt it deserves face, that face. I love it. You should have. I don't. It. I don't. Okay. I, well, here we are mentioning here it. Here we are. <laughs> um, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, Gabrielle Zevin, definitely worth the hype for me. The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich, uh, uh, definitely uh, worth the hype. Uh, can I can I point out definitely. something about The Measure that I, I found yes. going through? <laughs> thank, thank you. Going through our back episodes, because I, I knew that I talked about this in May, like before Jenna picked it, but guess when I actually truly brought this to the podcast, Tina. I think like November 20... No, not that Whatever. Soon. When? <laughs> February, in our February 15th episode. This was a yeah. shelf edition. I knew it was like forever ago. I yes. didn't even remember bringing that to the show that early. So anyway, it deserved all the hype. Speaking of books that I brought super early and then really got buzzy, The Violent Conspiracy yes. by Brendan Slocomb. Definitely worth the hype. Yeah, you you win the award for that because you brought that the summer before. Okay, yeah. my last one, it deserved all the hype. It's still getting Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Oh, I know, and that's one I desperately want to read. I'm like, how? Oh, I actually do have one more. I just remembered. I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. Like, oh, I that wondered, one is, yeah. I mean, one of the most hyped books, and I do think it's worth the hype. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to ask you if you thought that deserved the hype, and then I forgot to put I do that think in my so. notes. Okay. Yeah, I think right. so. All right, you want to do shelf edition? Yeah, let's do shelf edition quick. Okay. Mine is hot off the press. My our editor just hopped into the office and oh. dropped this in my lap as we were recording. Oh, oh, so this a, one's oh, it's a package it's a book reveal. Mail. Mm-hmm. A package reveal. It's in my hot little hands. Here we okay. go. Oh, this is fun. Okay. We've got The Forever Witness: How DNA and Genealogy Solved a Cold Case Double Murder by Edward Humes. And this book is about a young couple in 1987 who went on an overnight trip to Seattle, Renee, and they vanished without they a vanished. trace. Oh, I know. You know this story? No, I, I know bring- the title of the book, but I didn't know uh-huh. what it was about. Mm, they, vanished. they vanished. Both without of a them trace. vanished? Yeah. A week later, the bodies of Tanya Van Kluenborg and her boyfriend, Jay Cook, were found in rural Washington. It was a brutal crime, and it was the perfect crime with few clues and no witnesses, and an international manhunt came up empty. Then you have Detective Jim Scharf, who sifted through old cases for overlooked clues. You have someone named Cece Moore becoming fascinated with genetic genealogy, and basically the two of them together made history. They worked together to work on genetic genealogy. And they figured out that using the tools that they had, they're capable of exposing the darkest secrets of seemingly upstanding criminals. So this sounds like these are the two that basically had a hand in creating some of what we know today as like DNA testing. Right. Using that to solve like the past crimes, like the Golden State Killer. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. What came to mind was the Golden State Killer. Okay. So that's interesting. This one is The Forever Witness. How DNA and Genealogy Solved a Cold Case Double Murder by Edward Humes. Okay, good one. All right. My shelf edition is The Far Away World by Patricia Engel. And how funny is this? Yes. Yes. But I also just got a copy of this before we started recording. That's funny. We both got our shelf editions today. And this comes out January 24th. I chose this because I loved Infinite Country. Which can't, yeah, that was her previous book that I brought to the show in the spring. This one has me very curious. This is 10 Haunting 
award-winning short stories set across the Americas and linked by themes of migration, sacrifice, and moral compromise. And the thing that got me was the moral compromise. I like a good, like morally complex, make me feel uncomfortable about decisions and like be, you know, maybe there's two decisions or I don't know, like the, I love stories that revolve around that. And that's it. I, if, if you want more details on the various short story themes, you can check that out on Goodreads. But that was The Faraway World by Patricia Engel. Fun. That was so good. Oh my gosh. What a good time. And everyone, next week is our best of 2022 episode. I can't wait. I can't wait. We're each bringing 10, right? We're going to rapid fire talk about them. Right. We're each bringing 10. I will bring extras because we don't want to share, right? We do not want to share our books ahead of time. Yeah. So we're not going to share them with each other. We're not Uh going to share with each other. So just in case, I will have extras. I've already been asking myself which books stand out without even looking at my list. So it'll be fun to talk about. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited. What's our virtual pile of books? As of this time, I've read 125. You have Oh, I think I have 136. Okay, so we're choosing between— So we're going to narrow it down to over the top 200 bucks. for that. We're choosing between over mm-hmm. 200 bucks. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be so fun. Thanks for staying with us and tune in next week. Tune in next week. But that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, including our Book Talk After Dark bonus episode this month, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash etc. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to etc. at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both on Instagram at etc. Tina at TBR, etc. And me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Bye. No, that's dogs. That's for dogs. I knew it. I thought it was a gingerbread. No. <laughs> They're handmade dog treats. You can give one to Grace. My friend Laura brought dog oh. treats for for Grace, and mm-hmm. um, they look like gingerbread cookies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he came my. in to ask if it was edible. <laughs> Good thing he asked. <laughs> like, yeah, for the dog. I know, oh, right? That's funny. <laughs> oh, my God.